I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. This week saw more alarming news from near Europe's largest nuclear power plant, the Zaporizhia reactor on the Dnieper River. It came after Tuesday's attack, long warned about by Moscow to the UN itself, on a hydroelectric dam that supplied water to Crimea. But is nuclear power that dangerous? Or, as four-time Oscar-winning film director and writer Oliver Stone contends, have we all been hoodwinked? His new documentary charts a historic conspiracy involving oil companies, the press and Hollywood, preventing us from understanding that nuclear is the only way to avert imminent climate change catastrophe. Most of our power still comes from burning gas and coal, and the amount is going up, not down. If we do not cut carbon emissions by nearly 100 percent, the world will suffer serious damage. This is an even bigger problem than we thought. The answer to solving climate change is very straightforward. What's the best solution in your mind? Largely nuclear. 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 We've been trained from the very beginning to fear nuclear power. The very thing that we fear is what may save us. What's scary is not the same as what's dangerous. Coal is dangerous. You know, more people die from coal in a couple of weeks than have ever died from nuclear, which is all from the one accident in Chernobyl. First question is, what about the waste? Nuclear waste is nothing compared to climate change. You can watch Nuclear now on video on demand, but now the Oscar-winning creator of films like Salvador, Platoon, JFK, Nixon, Snowden and Wall Street, Oliver Stone joins me from Los Angeles. Oliver, welcome back to the show. You know, I wanted to speak to you about Jean-Luc Godard, his death. I wanted to speak to you about Ukraine under fire. And then you come up with a film that uh, arguably, amongst all your great films, may be the most important film uh, you've uh, ever made. I mean, global media focusing on nuclear power, perhaps, uh, perhaps in a way that actually the film, your film uh, shows is uh, part of the conspiracy against nuclear power. Well, <laughs> tell me tell me tell me what the film's about. Well, you know, you've, you've you've thrown a lot at me about conspiracy. It's not based in conspiracy because we don't know that. We know that it could it could off it could not it could just be business as usual, you know, which is competitive. But anyway, uh starting at the beginning, uh Let's say that uh, I haven't seen you in, in about two, three years. And uh, you see, over that period of time, 2019 on, this, I was really more and more disturbed by climate change and warming warnings of all the confusion on, in the media coming at me, at us, from different sources saying this and that and this and this is a solution. That's, a, that's not the solution, et cetera. I wanted to find out, as I, for my own self, I wanted to go to the bottom of this. So I went to a book that I came out in 2019 called Bright Future, A Bright Future by Josh Goldstein, who's a uh, international public re relations professor, and his partner, Stefan Svist, who's a Swedish nuclear engineer. It's called A Bright Future, and it lays out in very practical economic terms the point about nuclear energy works. It's always worked. France has made it work. Sweden has made it work. It's worked to a degree in the United States and in Russia and in China and Korea and so forth and so on. And it still works. It's been working for 50 years, 60 years in some cases. Reactors have been built. And because of a few, one major accident and a few mishaps, and we have to really talk about each of those accidents to understand them. Because of that, the psychology 
has turned against uh, nuclear power because of fear. And that is a huge uh, factor, of course, in, in stopping it, legislating against it, supporting environmental groups who are legislating for an enormous amount of regulations that balloon the price up, at least in the United States. The thing is, the China. thing is, Oliver, you've, you've told us this truth in films before about Vietnam, about Central America, the U.S. role in Central America, about what happened in Ukraine, the, Kiev, the Kiev coup in 2014. You've told us stories about uh, the plight of the vulnerable and the dispossessed over so many decades. But, you know, Jane Fonda did uh, tell us a lot of truths about Vietnam. And Ralph Nader perhaps saved more people than anyone in history individually for his fight with the car makers on, on seatbelts. I mean, you're going up against what Jane Fonda and Ralph Nader say. Well, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, I admire uh, both of them very much for what they did. Uh, Mr. Nader brought the, our attention to automobile safety and seatbelts and so forth. And... Uh, Jane is an advocate, passionate advocate against Vietnam, and I admire her courage, and I supported her all the way through. But she's dead wrong on nuclear energy, and so is Ralph Nader. And there's no reason to, to, to harbor these myths. We have to move on because the life, the life of the planet is at stake. So this is far more important than the protests against it. And that goes back to the 1970s and 80s. Of course, things have changed so much since then. We didn't even know about climate change when... People were easily protesting nuclear power. Among them, I didn't protest, but I was. I went along with it. And I said, "Okay, they may have a point. Let's. We don't need nuclear power." But that was back in the 80s, 70s. We now know that we need clean energy because the atmosphere is poisoning itself, and we don't know how badly this is going to happen. But the IPCC, the International Government Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Control (UN). A large body of scientists, large body, has warned us repeatedly since 1980 that we're reaching a point of zero tolerance, really, where the, the planet's going to be poisoned, really, forever, and it's not going to stop. The warming is going to keep going, and it seems to be evidently true from all the graphs from 1980 to 2000 and from the 2000 to 2020 period, which is alarming because nothing has improved. The carbon dioxide, and uh, I should include methane gas, which CH4, that's poisoning the whole uh, the whole show. It's we're not getting better any better. We're putting up millions, trillions of dollars into renewables. We talk about it endlessly, blah blah blah. Nothing is happening. It's not getting better. And by 2050, we're we're going to be really uh, screwed. So uh, we set the guideline in our film at 30 years from 2020 to 2050. We're talking about those 30 years practically. What can we do as a race? As a human race, the whole globe, not just the United States. And we come, we come to the very strong conclusion we're going to need nuclear power. And we, and, and we support renewables, that's fine. We can keep doing it, but we're going to need nuclear power to close the gap that's coming. And we're going to need a lot of it, which means building, building nuclear plants everywhere in all countries, like airline production. Yeah, and I should say the film goes clearly through solar and wind and the uh, low proportions the that they can provide. This film is fact-oriented. It's not me uh, writing uh, what I believe. I, I have, I'm not a scientist. I don't claim any expert knowledge. I'm going off experts. I'm going to them and asking them and I'm interpreting. I think I'm making it more uh, simple uh, because they're scientists and they tend to be very abstract and it's sometimes difficult to read and understand. But I think what I've been able to do is interpret what they're saying 
for a large audience. I, my goal was to teach myself, which is to say, to make it available to a ninth grader or an eighth grader, which is what I feel sometimes. Do you think, uh, do you really think Biden cares about, thing. I mean, there, there's still a closure program, as I understand it, of nuclear power stations, although in your film you show that the one in California, where there's never been an accident of any kind, uh, is, I think, uh, got a reprieve. Do you think Biden cares yeah, about... It. Do you think Biden cares about the environment then, ultimately? I mean, you mentioned oh, yeah. LNG and they're increasing fracked LNG. And of course, as we know, the Nord Stream pipeline blowing up was the largest single event of it, uh, methane emission ever in history. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, LNG is the liquid natural gas and gas is not the solution. Gas has methane in it uh, and it, it leaks all along the line. We know that, proven and it's poisoning the atmosphere. And in the short term, as uh, that we say, it's far worse even than, than, uh, than carbon dioxide. It's far worse, but it's the long term, it does drop off. So what we have is a situation with carbon dioxide and on top of it, they put renewables in, but renewables don't work all the time. Sun is not always there. It's winter, it's night, it's cold. The solar, the sun doesn't always come out. It, the maximum capacity in Germany, for example, was about 12% of the sun came out, and that is on the high side. Uh, wind is a little bit more, like 22%. But we need to get up to 90% to have nuclear works around the clock, and it works efficiently, and not it's not costly once it's built. So nuclear is a 90% plus solution, it, and it's clean, and you don't need a backup like renewables need a backup, which is gas. And we always, so that's why these gas companies say they're partners, perfect partners for renewables. Don't believe it. That's advertising. And they're very good at it. They make it sound like it's easy. Oh, yeah, we'll just put some gas in and it'll solve it. So this ties into it. I think Biden cares about the environment. And I think he's obviously had political challenges getting it through Congress because of the certain people still believe that there's no climate warming, but that doesn't matter. Well, I don't think he can, warming. arguably, he doesn't care about it if he set off the Nord Stream pipeline, which is, you know, what I was getting well, at there. You, we don't, uh, I agree with you, I agree with you, he's gotten completely distracted. Do you believe that war. story? No, I believe the United States has something very, Mr. Biden promised that it would not exist before it happened. You know, if you saw his pronouncement, he had a smirk on his face, so he was pretty sure that he was going to and the threat of the pipeline. But what he's done is far worse than that. What he's done is destabilize the whole world without, he blames the Russians and it's easy to do so because that's the boogeyman right now. But the truth is, who set off the war, you know? Who, you have to go back to 2014, but we're talking about- Yeah, yeah, I want to keep to the film. I want to keep to the film. And uh, we don't want to get completely Ukraine. banned because I know your Ukraine on fire film which I think is belatedly uh, being allowed back, has been banned. The film is accurate. It was done by a Ukrainian man who li lived through this thing. And that war started, just to repeat, in 2014. It did not start in 2020. Well, why did the Pentagon contract a Google ban it from YouTube, and why is Netflix banning this film? Because it's a strange world we're living in. They really are scared. I mean, Netflix isn't They're banning your film, the new one. It, Netflix no, isn't they didn't screening it. it. They just rejected it. They rejected it. I don't know what my film has anything to do with Ukraine. It, it's really about, it's about the shortage of clean energy in the future and right now. And we have to do something about it. That's what the film is about. And that's what gives it its urgency. Uh, don't, let's not get distracted. But, but, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just wondering, is it, showed in the is it a possibility that you actually go around uh, Russian nuclear power stations 
You talk about China's expansion of nuclear. I mean, it's happening. Other countries are listening to the arguments of this film uh, already, clearly, yes. and uh, they understand what you're talking about. Well, that brings, I just say that one of the reasons I did the film is because so much of the material we're seeing in movies, television, and in, in news is so depressing and dystopian. It's always about a negative future, especially movies. Movies have done no favors to nuclear energy. They've always made it the enemy, as you know from China Syndrome, Silkwood, and that, that horrible TV series that HBO did, Chernobyl, which was not accurate. We go into that in the film. It, may, it's a, it works as drama because it's sensational and it scares the shit out of you, but that is not true. The Chernobyl thing was a, was a tragedy, no question, and it was badly handled. And we go into the detail. The scientist who's actually involved uh, is a very broken man, and he explains what really happened, and he, he, he attests to the professionalism of the Soviet crew. There was never any intent to uh, deceive the IAEA, and he talks about it. I'm going to let him say it. But the truth is that because of that accident, which was the only fatal accident in the history of the nuclear, that was 50 people died, first responders were badly protected, they were sent in, and then on top of that, there are some, there was a large release, a leak of low-level radiation in the Northern Europe, which the Soviet government tried to hide, and uh, it was a shame. But uh, the UN went in there exhaustively, as did the World Health Organization, and they tested, tested, they, 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 they say possibly 4,000 people died of cancers after that. But it's hard to trace the link between the, uh, cancer and radiation, low-level radiation. We have a lot of it in the world. Oliver Stone, I'll stop you there. More from the Oscar-winning film director after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with Oscar-winning film director Oliver Stone on his new release, Nuclear Now. I have noticed that uh, some uh, scientific uh, scholarly papers are reducing the numbers uh, previously thought of as being affected by That's radiation yep. near yep. nuclear power stations. But when I said conspiracy earlier, I didn't mean... Of course, last time you were on, I think you were talking about JFK, the uh, film that yeah, created yeah. a congressional panel. They, Biden is refusing to release the uh, papers, clearly. I was talking about the conspiracy in your film, uh, which, is, um, which is quite something. The Seven Sisters Oil Companies yeah. with Hollywood. You That's mentioned an interesting China, story. Yeah. All together, the press, all coming together so that generations on from these great oil companies, Rockefeller, and uh, his yeah. alliance. That was a very significant, very significant article. And I learned about it, of course, is from Ron Adams. Uh, in 1956, the New York Times published a study done by the Rockefeller Foundation. Rockefeller Foundation, remember, is John, Rock, John D. Rockefeller and uh, the biggest oil magnate of our time. They found that any level of radiation is harmful to the human body. And that was in 1956. That report was released front page in the New York Times. Not a big, the publisher of the New York Times was, of course, on the board of the Rockefeller Foundation. So, you know, you see the connections at a high level. And once they put that news out, it didn't have to advertise it. It was just a front page story. Radiation then became even more scary to more people because we had the World War II experience of Hiroshima, 
where indeed it was a dangerous level of radiation because it was an enriched bomb. We were dropping bombs with enriched plutonium, uranium. So people were dying from radiation poison, no question. But this is a different kind of radiation. It's low level. It's back, what they call background radiation. And that is what people have been terrified of because of all the fears stoked by the Rockefeller Foundation and the environmentalists. I mean, I understand, also, and I think you go into it in such detail, and people can watch it on, on uh, video on demand, the fact that the radiation risks of ionized uh, radiation are uh, exaggerated. I would say the U.S. Veteran Affairs Department still recognizes increased cancer risk on those serving on nuclear uh, submarines. Uh, they did a they did a risk panel, 85,000 nuclear submarine crews between 69 and 82. There is increased cancer from ionization uh, radiation uh, at low doses. But um, I just I'd like I don't know about that report, but I'd love to know exactly. I'd like to know more. About it's on the U.S. I'd veterans. Like I mean, you can get money if anyone watching who is serving, uh, yeah. who has served on a nuclear submarine. You can get uh, reimbursement from the U.S. federal government. Well, nobody has, uh, as we say, there has been no major, no accident of significance in the Navy. There was. It's not the accident. Over. It's the low-level radiation yeah. you're continually exposed to over time while serving in a nuclear well, once, uh, you know, submarine, as far as I understand should, it. I'm but sorry, I think I my problem, be... my problem with it was, the film was the risk of terror attack, nuclear waste, which you say is very safe. Um, nuclear waste is clearly not safe because it no, has to be said, buried. We say it was very safe. We say it was very well handled and it was watched and monitored. What if by... a terrorist blows it up, one of these concrete steel cylinders? Uh, you know, there is, if you are in a nuclear attack, probably the safest place you could be is inside one of those concrete caps. They're really <laughs> well done and it's, you, know, you can never have perfect, you're never going to be perfectly safe. Uh, blowing up something. How can you blow up? It, 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 we did have a hydrogen. We had a nuclear explosion at Chernobyl. Uh, 50 people uh, went in to clean it up and died as a result. And there was a radiation leak. But that compared, how does that compare to the gas blowing up at Bhopal, which kills 18,000 people? Chemicals, gas, uh, all the, the hydro, hydro... Even more than 18,000 uh, with birth defects. I'm talking about dead. I'm talking, there was about 100,000 wounded, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, China, there was a hydroelectric dam that, uh, that, that uh, failed in 1975 and 200,000 dead. I mean, you understand when a, when a, radi when a nuclear... But I'm just thinking the threat like of that, war, it was the threat of climate change before Ukraine. Now everyone yes, is worried I, about nuclear war, actually. Yes, 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 yes. This goes on and on and on. I asked yesterday, I asked an expert uh, what, uh, what's really going on. He wrote me this note. He said, each reactor has a containment structure to begin with. All six reactors are shut down, but still putting out residual heat from radioactivity, not a fission chain reaction. The plant has its own cooling pond, which will continue to work without the reservoir. And I don't know, you can get on Twitter, but if you have to go to scientists to understand what's really happening. You can't go with the newspapers because they love sensationalism. Sure, the threat of another Chernobyl, it sounds horrible, but it's not, even Chernobyl was not nothing compared to Hiroshima or Nagasaki. That's the point. No, no, of the course, of course. But we didn't think 9-11 was possible. A film, I know you, well, you made a brilliant well, film about that. An, I'm telling you, and you're a smart man, you can have an explosion and it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. Why, why, do the, the uh, 
Why do the pro-NATO, pro-Zelensky Greens oppose uh, oppose nuclear power? Uh, What's happened to the Green movement? Maybe you want to just tell me. The Green movement is completely supportive of uh, the military-industrial complex in your country, it seems. I can't... Excuse me one second. uh, Getting some water. Excuse me for... uh, I just I don't know what's the inner politics of the Green Party, but it's so disappointing to me. I thought in the 1980s that they really changed the world, but they have become pro uh, anti nuclear energy. You mentioned Greenpeace in the film. Greenpeace. uh, We show one of the scientists who founded it, co-founded it, and he says very clearly, he says Greenpeace has done a lot of good, uh, saving the whales cleaning up toxic waste, opposing nuclear bombs. But we got one thing wrong, and that was nuclear energy. And uh, he, was, he was very forthright about it. And yet Greenpeace continues to, to act out and make sensational claims that they never back up. And they, I mean, they never happen. But they always say, well, the, when the Russians floated that barge to Pevek in uh, the Arctic, it was a nuclear barge, uh, SMR, small modular reactor. When they floated that barge, they said it was going to be a nuclear Titanic. Never happened. They went through all the icebergs, and it's functioning beautifully in a small town, a medium-sized town in, in the Arctic. This is what the beauty of nuclear is. You can float it on, on barges. You can put it up and down the coasts. There's another way of approaching it on water. And I should say also that... ...is a natural natural partner with radioactivity. You actually talk about small businesses being able to make scalable nuclear power stations in the United States if if, uh, federal uh, authorities continue to be um, uh, believing that uh, nuclear is, is all evil. But, you know, this week it was, an advisor to the Ukrainian deputy PM, and this was quoted across all U.S. news, We consider the act, uh, this is the dam breach, an act of terrorism. The consequences on the scale of Chernobyl, which you already have explained, are not actually nearly as bad, as you say in the film, as coal-fired gas stations and their effect on uh, breathing. Um, But uh, this is what the uh, deputy um, PM, assistant to Zelensky or whatever said, with the power of nature, the scale of how many people should leave their homes. It's always nuclear now. Alexei Ryabchin is the guy who's talking about nuclear. you know, I, uh, you know, there's a war on, and you, once you get into a war situation in this Ukraine, you have so much propaganda from, especially from the Western side, it's so one-sided that everything becomes an anti-Russian issue. Obviously, they're, they're the stronger country, they're winning the war, they're actually kicking ass, but uh, we don't know that in the West. We have no realization of what's really going on because there's been no military honesty. It's a completely corrupt process in the United States. You have to run everything through the White House because the White House is fighting the war, and they're telling you the Russians are evil and brutal, all the stuff, but it's not fair because we're not getting the truth, and the American people are blind and like, led by like sheep to a conclusion. Well, how come we can't get both sides? How come we can't hear your, your show in England or in America? We can't even hear it. It's ridiculous. You don't. You have the right to speak. You're an intelligent man. Our team was a good network, and it doesn't mean you have to buy everything they say. But they did a good job. They got cameramen to those places, and they continue to be good. And there's other outlets that should be uh, promoted and allowed, but you can't say anything apparently in the United States. 
It's really I'm speaking to you because you're in Dubai. Well, but just, the point you're trying to make is that yes, they're going to they're going to exaggerate everything possible against the Russians, including anything that happens nuclear. Anything will be built up into some sensational event, although there is in fact no actual threat. The, what's happened with the dam is fascinating. You know, nobody's claimed it, but it's clearly motivated. The, the motive for doing it is Ukrainian. Ukrainian motive is to wreck. They're losing badly. They want to wreck the land before the Russians take Kherson. The, the Russians are predicted to take that area because it's a Russian, basically a Russian-speaking area, Russian ethnic. So no one's ever pointed out, it seems to me, successfully to the American people and the European people, especially the European people, that this is a civil war. This is not like a normal war. This is between Russian and Ukrainian. The Ukrainians have been vicious against since 2014 against the Russian ethnic population, vicious, killing, I've heard on various reports from 5,000 to 7,000 plus wounded. There's been almost 14,000 people affected in that spirit while they signed the Minsk agreement, the Ukrainians, and they didn't know, they didn't honor it for, for eight years. Uh, they U.S. came into Ukraine, took it over, financed everything. We're financing the government and built up the army to this level where it could uh, attack and take back the Donbass and uh, the uh, Lugansk. So, well, just for, just finally, the, very briefly, very briefly though, other, Oliver, very briefly, yeah. and uh, I should say RT is available on some cable networks in the United States. It's only banned in the European Union and uh, uh, Britain, and we go out well, to get, uh, to many different channels. Again. I just want to say though, uh, you went to Russia in this film. People who watch the film can see that you actually went yes. to Berlin. Just very, very briefly, the prospects of the new fast breeder reactors that you witness that recycle yes. the waste. Just very quickly. Uh, uh, yes, the uh, Russians have, uh, have uh, 250,000 people working on atomic energy in the government agency Rosatom. We need government backing to get these things done on a big scale. Uh, France has the uh, uh, Electricité de France. China has its agency. That's what you. Ha that's what you need to do to move things. The DO Department of Energy, by the way, has been good, and they're pro-nuclear. But they're slow and they're not spending big money, big, big money. But they're definitely uh, backing initi initiatives. They're backing these small modular reactors. And they want to see there's 50 companies in America, free enterprise companies, developing it. This is great. It's going to make a, a smaller reactor. And I think it's going to work. And it's going to be used. But, you know, it's not going to deal with the volume that we need for the world. So we still need the heavy reactors. China is doing the biggest amount of progress as of the date they have committed to they have uh, uh, some 50 60 70 reactors I forgot but they're building a lot more according to what I read recently they're building 440 billion dollars worth of new reactors some 170 some and they're going to be have their plan is to have it up by 2038 significant yet we know that China uses a lot of coal and still does so Oliver. the more reactors they can build, the less coal they will use. Oliver Stone, thank you. Thank you, Arsene. And that's it for the show. Remember, you can watch Nuclear Now on video on demand. We'll be back on Monday on Russia Day with Fyodor Lukyanov, Chairman of the Presidium of Russia's Council for Foreign Defense Policy. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, GoingUndergroundTV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you on Monday.